Hello and welcome back to the Guns on Pegs podcast. My name is George Brown, editor at Guns on Pegs and head of inspiration at Scribehound. I'm Chris, uh, George's right-hand man. <laughs> right-hand man, is it? That means I'm the leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been promoted, everyone. I know my place in this pod, it's fine. <laughs> By the time this episode goes out, Chris, the pheasant season is going to be in full swing. In fact, it starts today, the day we're recording, but this won't go out for, a, for, for until a week later. Um, but you've already been out with the shotgun, haven't you? I have. It's a funny one, the start of the pheasant season, though, because you'd think that that would mean, oh, great, everyone's going to be out tomorrow type thing, kind of like it does with some of the other quarries. But weirdly, with pheasants, most syndicates kind of just give up a month as if it wasn't there, and they just start really late and then sort of like, what? why do we do that? The season's only like four months long and we just go, oh, well, don't worry about a month of it. We'll do three. Not the glorious 1st of October, is it? No, exactly. Can we start talking about this? I think this needs to be a thing. Like, why don't we just... I mean, actually, this year, I have birds have gone down a bit earlier in quite a few places I know of. And that would mean, therefore, on the 1st of October, they're going to be in great condition. So hopefully that that's changed for a few. When's your first day? Well, a couple of weeks from, from now, uh, 14th of October, I think, is our... Is that a Saturday? Whatever the, that Saturday in a couple of weeks' time is will be our first one at home. Then, of course, we've got the podcast shoot day the following week, which will be very exciting. But I've just been kind of getting into the spirit of it. I've been out and picked some slows and some damsons and that kind of thing. been really nice. The kids absolutely love any sort of fruit collection activity on the farm. And it was quite fun letting them try a slow and watching their face turn inside out. <laughs> um, if, if you waited for the first frost this year, they'd definitely all be gone, wouldn't they? Yes, it's a bit of a funny year. It's not. I mean, last year was terrible for slows. Um, this year isn't a bumper crop, but there's definitely some good ones around. I found one. It's weird, isn't it? I've been on, you know, I've lived here and picked slows on this farm for longer than I care to remember, more than 30 years. And every year I find a new bush somewhere that I hadn't previously come across. And I found one literally kind of 200 yards from my front door this year. And the slows on it are like golf balls. They're absolutely enormous. Nice. And then before anybody says, are you sure they're not damsons? They're definitely not damsons. They're definitely slow. I can tell by the way my my child screws its face up as to what the, what the fruit is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. So uh, for this episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Um, every now and again, we get an email that doesn't quite work as a hood bird, is it anyway, or as an unpopular opinion or whatever. And we also get a few kind of updates and follow ups and things from topics that we've previously discussed. So today, just for a little change, we're going to go through a few of those with the help of today's special guest, who is Chris. Today's special guest is a field sports photographer. He's a filmmaker a journalist, uh, is often therefore seen on the greatest game shoots of Great Britain and all the grouse moors and all the lovely places. We'll hear about that, I'm sure. Uh, he's a keen fly, fly fisherman, very keen. I think potentially more keen than shooting. We'll find out about that too. Um, a former first-class first cricketer, no less. Very keen rugby player, an all-round good egg. So very pleased to have with us Matt Kidd. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to be on the pod. So that's a that's a very generous uh, intro. Thanks, Chris. So <laughs> go on then. F uh, fly fishing, shooting. Where do they rank for you? Um, if, if it's what I want to do right now, most it's probably shooting because I definitely haven't done as much as I have fishing. But if it was um, what I've done the most of and what you know I couldn't live without, it would be fishing. 
So, you know, um, where, wherever that is, um, brown trout, grayling, salmon, whatever, um, you know, fishing, fishing's my first, first love as people call it, but yeah, um, I'm mad keen on shooting as well. So it's quite even at the moment, I'd say, but yeah. I'm right in saying Matt, aren't they? They used to fish competitively. That's correct. Yeah. What does this mean? Um, so in the, in the, in the youth stage, um, I was part of the England, England youth team, um, captained at Grafham, um, when, when we fished the home international, um, and then fished the world championships in probably four or five various different places around the world. Um, again, all, all youth stuff. And then, um, another claim to fame would be fishing for Malta in the, um, <laughs> in the Commonwealth in New Zealand, um, just before COVID, but um yeah that's another story but <laughs> what, 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 what yeah we're multi shorter fishermen or something and you just <laughs> exactly yeah because of covid they had a dropout so i got i got the call up so there we go i was there already i wasn't intending to fish but I did. <laughs> you'll forgive me for saying you don't look particularly maltese <laughs> yeah well i i don't look very maltese but neither did the maltese people <laughs> <laughs> yeah were they all just 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 carp fishermen from Leicestershire? Well, yeah, yeah, you could say that. No, um, <laughs> no, they just look like normal English people. Fine. The people that were fishing for Malta, anyway. So maybe maybe it was all bogus, and nobody <laughs> was actually from Malta, and it was just a. So, so what you're saying is you don't you don't know whether the Maltese fishing team are actually Maltese or just Englishmen. Uh, yeah, I think both. I'll go for both. Yeah. <laughs> the only right. thing we can be certain of is that they were a fishing team. Yeah. <laughs> there was a team called Malta. Yeah. Did did, yeah. did you beat did you beat your opponents? Um, I was sort of mid. So again, there's a longer story in that because it was like a uh, a fill in position um, coming coming after the fourth session. So so there's five sessions in total. At the fourth session, I was quite mid-table, which I thought was quite embarrassing. So I didn't fish the last session and let someone else fish it, um, which was a lady who absolutely dead keen on fishing. So I, I'd had enough. Couldn't couldn't have had a better session than my last, catching like seven seven little wild rainbow trout, which are like Lake Run steelhead on the Tongariro River. Um, and she wanted to fish the Whakapapa. So I was like, yeah, go ahead. And fish them I went and played, it's, it's a river it's a river out there <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um probably not a word for a podcast but yeah um there's the whakapapa and the fonganu which are like all spelt with w's but yeah. i love this um, name of this river i might have to I stop know. dropping this into daily life yeah. <laughs> yeah you need to go over there if you've not been it's brilliant um but no I, I i decided to play golf instead and then had my best ever round and went two over so i was quite happy with that um, you're you're like one of these annoying kids at school that was a bit good at everything, aren't you? Because we haven't yeah. we've we've we, we've let we let slide the former first class cricketer comment. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Um, but no, um, yeah. I suppose I've played a lot of sports, but um, yeah, to to a certain standard. But I wouldn't say I'm great at everything. That's for sure. Um, but no, it's good. Good. Well, we're gonna we're gonna need your input on some shooting stuff in a moment great, great. B- but before we do that well yes matt as you know because you're a podcast regular listener uh we like to kick things off by asking our guests uh what it is they've brought along to um help the conversation flow so i'm going to ask you matt what's that you're drinking 
So, um, in line with your opening comment about um, autumnal foraging or hedgerow bounties, um, I have a very special um, Cropston Reserve, which is where we live, of um, blackberry whiskey or bramble whiskey, which was crafted this year, picked with blackberries from last year, which is obviously a favourite of mine on a shoot day. And then when I've run out of that, because there's not much left of the bottle now, is um, some damson gin. So, again, perfect little tipples, which are just great on a shoot day. So, that's that. Bramble whiskey. I don't think I've ever had this. And I'm a big fan of slow whiskey. And so, I really need to try mm. this. Yeah. It's, it's very fruity and it's very sweet. Uh, well, it's not very sweet. It depends, obviously, how much sugar you put in. But it only takes like three weeks or so to actually complete the there's a cycle so yeah it's good yeah but that means it's already done within about three weeks (laughs) (laughs) and it it was a good year for Mm. brambles this year for for black current blackberries rather um ours seem to start earlier every year and last year we were picking them well into october yeah yeah yeah, this year was ridiculous i mean they've just just feel like they're finishing at the moment but it was a ridiculous bumper crop wasn't it i mean we started picking them in like july probably maybe august um but this one was kept in the freezer for about a year so maybe that's why it's so good but um yeah we've not found many damsons this year though none at all actually which is weird the nature of wild harvest isn't it yeah exactly exactly george what are you on well um i had a bit of a panic at about three o'clock this afternoon when i realized we were recording in an hour and I hadn't thought about a drink. So I legged it down to the farm shop in the village um, to have a look and see what they'd got because they've got quite a big drink section. And uh, one of the things they've got a decent stock of is sort of comparatively local beers. Uh, And I picked up one from a brewery that I've uh, spoken about before on the podcast, which is a well-known Hampshire brewery called The Flower Pots. Uh, But this is another bottle that I picked up at the same time that just... When I saw the label, it just screamed podcast drink to me. It's from the White Horse Brewery, which is in actually in Oxfordshire, which is quite a long way away. But uh, the name of the beer was really what swung it. It's called um, Village Idiot, uh, <laughs> which is kind what of see how I it, see my. That's kind of see how I how I see my role around here. So uh, I felt it was quite fitting. I like that. I've seen that before somewhere. Is, is it good? I haven't tried it yet. Actually, here you go. First try. Looks good. It is actually really nice. Really, really nice. Kind of citrusy, a little bit hoppy. It's, I guess it's a pale ale based on the colour. I suppose a key, a key question right now, George, is what temperature it's at because wasn't that a problem from one of your listeners recently that warm, bitter or warm ales? <laughs> it was. Warm, warm Stella, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a little, bit, a little bit lower than room temperature but not quite like out of the fridge cold. <laughs> because I didn't have time to cool it down, basically. It's been passed through a fridge. Yeah, I sort of showed it to the fridge as I walked past, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Ideal. And Chris, what have you got? I got really excited when I sat down, put my headphones on with this glass, because I never have red wine on a podcast. And I've realised that it's the trick I'm missing. And I'm going to start introducing more red wine to my afternoons on the weekdays because i bloody love it i've got a um and i actually didn't realize i had this uh in my rack 
left because I usually drink them all. I've got a bottle of Berry Brothers Extraordinary Claret, which a lot of people will know because it's quite a, a well-known drinking wine. But it's it's got it's a, it's a decent level. It's really lovely. I forget how good it is. So really enjoyable. And I opened it a while back as well, which is key with that. Some people think, oh, no, that's one of those ones you can drink straight out of the bottle. Trust me. Leave it a while. It gets better and better. What are your tasting notes then? Oh, I, I don't do that. I just <laughs> like it a lot. The wallet, inside of the wallet in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Depends the inside of whose wallet, because I imagine yeah. they all smell and taste yeah. different, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> Some would be particularly dusty and not seen the light of day yeah. for many years. Others sort of very fresh. <laughs> <laughs> mine mostly coppery <laughs> yeah <laughs> covered in last night's kebab that sort of note delightful i nearly um spat my bramble whiskey everywhere then <laughs> um i gotta say i like i enjoy the way that that berry brothers in uh, label their wines and that one in particular extraordinary is one of my favorite words um, and it reminds me, one of my, my first teacher at prep school had written at the top of her board, don't be ordinary, be extraordinary, which is a, a motto I've tried to live my life by ever since. That's a good one. It, it is. <laughs> I like that. And But it is, you're right. It's, it's a funny one because when you see extraordinary on a bottle, it does give connotations of just like, it, it isn't just average, it is distinctly average. <laughs> <laughs> agreed i'm wondering whether other people look at it and go oh that's the cheap bottle the extraordinary one rather than just good ordinary which is the one beneath it yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting i've just had a huge rumble of thunder and lightning outside which may go some way to explaining some of the technical issues we're having i did yeah sound like someone moving a chair yeah good so george um we've had a, a letter of apology from the person you banned from the podcast so rudely a few episodes ago. <laughs> I think justifiably. <laughs> so um, this person has written in. Uh, his name's Dwyer. So he says, after, after listening to the latest episode of the Guns on Pegs podcast, the Woodcock and Watercolours episode, I find myself wondering if I am indeed that individual who approached Chris at the game fair and mentioned about the release of a new episode every two weeks. Um I do recall having this brief conversation about this topic. He was basically saying, you don't do them every two weeks, do you? After saying you would, uh, to which George clearly lost his rag, which I understand. Very unhappy. He said, <laughs> he says, my intention was not to insult rather than portray uh, a keen interest for the podcast from across the water here in Northern Ireland. The podcast is eagerly awaited as it often provides great entertainment and helps pass an hour's journey to or from work. After looking back at the episode release dates on Spotify, I am indeed wrong. George has stayed true to his word and delivered an ev episode every two weeks and on the same day to my embarrassment. I hereby apologise to George and hope that I am the individual that George can forgive and rescind my ban. Keep up your, the good work. You're sincerely, Dwight. George, over to you, Judge George. Well, bloody right. Um, no, of course, apology accepted. <laughs> of course, apology accepted. And of course, the ban is rescinded. Um, we welcome you back with open arms, as we do all listeners. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think we've got many bans outstanding out there. So, uh, yeah, all good. 
That is quality. So that's a nice way to kick things off. Um, what we're going to do now, Matt, is we're going to do our usual listener correspondence sections. Um, the first one of which uh, is called Whose Bird Is It Anyway? And it's when we ask our listeners uh, to write in with their shooting quandaries and queries and confessions and all that sort of thing. And we do our level best to help them out. Uh, this one comes from somebody who emailed us uh, pod at gunsonpegs.com. And I've decided to call them Elon. And Elon has written... I work in a fairly average office job, but occasionally drive and load for our chairman at some pretty big days in North Yorkshire. My normal office hours are 9 to 5, however, when I'm driving for him, it's usually a 6am start until the early hours of the next day. I'm then expected to be in the office bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for the next day at 9am. Although I love the shoot days, watching the dogs work and the general banter with the guns, they've all been in the same syndicate for years, as well as seeing some parts of North Yorkshire some people will never see, I end up working an extra 8 to 10 hours a day, and, I'm give, and given that I'm loading two, it can be quite hard work, carrying two guns and enough cartridges for some pretty hefty drives. His PA believes I get, extra, uh, get paid extra for this work, as do the rest of the office. How am I best to approach this conversation with him? <laughs> wow. Matt, any uh, good HR experience in your previous career? Well, what I would say is, if you've got a boss that likes shooting, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's the end of the end of the conversation, really. Um, no, I reckon. Uh, I think you're probably one of the best paid loaders there is. If you're on a full day rate, right? anyway. <laughs> this is true, but he's but he's not happy though, is it? He's not happy. He's you're not he, happy. The yeah. Grass isn't always greener. Um, I guess it's one way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and not everyone shoots in North Yorkshire, so <laughs> <laughs> count yourself lucky, I guess. Yeah, eight to ten hours a day. Do, you, do we feel like he ought to be getting a tip? Oh, you've got to be getting a tip at yeah. the least. Because yeah. a tip, a tip on a loader on a decent day is what you're asking the wrong man. Well, I've, I've heard of anything from twenty quid to a Land Rover. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, or a Range Rover. Anything that would that know. would make the middle like thirty grand. So yeah. That's not- yeah. <laughs> Yeah, average tips 30 grand yeah. uh, a season. Um, no yeah. i mean we're probably for a loader you've got to be looking at i mean it's got to be 80 100 quid right for the actual loading fees or tip just for the loader i swear the loading fee yeah. is the kind of tip it just goes straight to the yeah. loader doesn't it yeah I'd i mean it's a bit more than that but i haven't had a bit yeah. i haven't had a loader for a while so i'm probably going to be shouted at it's more like 120 then yeah, it depends absolutely. where you go as well because if you're on a yeah. grouse day then they're like yeah price is now uh 250 and you just mm. have to sort of sit quiet and and go, oh, yeah. shit, better go back to the cash point. Yeah. I'd say in- instead of increasing the pay packet, that he should at least get a girl on a drive or two each day. <laughs> well, I would take that. I would take that. Yeah, I think I think that's the that's the one. You definitely want yeah. to shoot Or the a drive. beater's day, but, you know, you're not beating, so maybe something like that. Some work perks. thing is, like, we don't, we don't know the backstory here. Like, if he's in the situation that I find myself in, and George has as well, you know, and you, like, young children, right, and you... And you you want to spend time at home, but he's he's working six a.m. until late at night, and he's doing it. And yes, he's enjoying it, the rest of it. But he's kind of not. He's losing all his time at home. He's then saying his main point was, "I've got to be back in the office nine a.m. the next day." I can definitely understand. Like, even though it's fun, he is still working. Like, yeah. it's not. It's not like oh, count yourself lucky, mate. You're going on a nice pheasant shoot. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah. I'm kind of with him on this. I don't think that's enough. I think there needs to be something for all of that slog over and above 
you know, as you say, and it doesn't have to come in the form of cash. Surely the whole point of the shooting pit is some of the perks. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I was going to say it may be one of the perks is the um, is the, the 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 opportunity to take the piss out of your boss's shooting at office parties and similar, having a free reign to put the elbow in every now and again, which of course has nothing to do with why I enjoy this podcast so much. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um, we don't necessarily know whether he likes shooting, does it? From from what he said, but I guess as a listener, he probably does. If he doesn't like shooting, then I can understand why he'd be a bit riled up. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's really awkward is if it's the chairman that likes the podcast and puts it on and makes him listen to it on every journey. Yeah, and that's he, even better. Yeah, <laughs> and he's only heard the email address. Well, then he's played an excellent yeah. game, <laughs> and he's only heard the email address for Big Four. He's played an excellent. <laughs> this game. is his notice. <laughs> yeah. Up. Yeah, this is his way of bringing it up in the car. They'll be just playing next yeah. time they're on their way up to, to North Yorkshire. <laughs> and he'll be looking going, shit, this sounds like you. I th- mm. I th- it's, it's not you, is it? And then they're going to have a really awkward moment for the next two hours of the journey, assuming that they sort of get in an hour in, you know, and they've got to... <laughs> brilliant. Um, <laughs> let's assume for a second he does like shooting. Um, the other thing that did occur to me is, if he's this close to the chairman of the company, right, and he spends all this time with him, surely that's going to help in his favour when it comes to sort of promotions and things like that. He's got to leverage that. That's worth way more than all the little bits on the side. He's the driver, right, which means that the the boss is probably having a drink or two. I reckon he's probably yeah. got some ammo. Twist his arm. He's seen the boss in... Uh, so you're yeah. saying the perk to all of this is blackmail? Yeah. It's a solution to so many problems. <laughs> <laughs> but i would definitely be blackmailing for day shooting i don't know about you guys or salmon yeah. fishing or something i mean or a trip <laughs> trip like spain or anywhere argentina for him yeah. and all his mates at the end of the season not just for him yeah exactly him and yeah. All his mates. Yeah. yeah and partner going along if if they want that or not but yeah. it should be compulsory that at the end of the year hit the chairman arrives at this guy's house at 6 a.m picks him up puts him in the back of the car with a decent cool box of gin and tonics, drives him wherever he wants to go. That that would be the way to do it. Well, because he, he describes yeah. his job as a, a run-of-the-mill office job, a fairly average office job. So even if he does manage to get some sort of uplift in pay, it's never going to come close to the value of the day's shooting. So I'd definitely be taking the day's shooting. Like purely from a transactional point of view, the shooting's worth more than whatever, than the eight to 10 hours of extra pay you're going to get. Yeah, and, and just, just some very quick maths. I reckon if it's a very average office job, I'm guessing I reckon 10 days in this guy's type of shooting and it's the same as his salary, Yeah, which has got to be slightly awkward in the car if this is his tone at the moment. <laughs> Maybe he's just paid to drive him and he does he actually doesn't worry about his office job. He just <laughs> needs a good loader and one that's consistent and can't go elsewhere. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. So yeah. so actually all along the chairman's known yeah. this is coming. Yeah. And and this is the whole reason for yeah. it in the first place. Imagine setting the KPIs. <laughs> You've got to be loading at least four rounds a minute. <laughs> and, and they have no the, misfires. They have the company strategy there, they're all sitting there with yeah. their very corporate targets, and this guy's going, Yeah, we loaded yeah. really well on that drive, loose stuff 140. <laughs> yeah, this year we swapped from Ely to Game Ball. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I heard a great story the other day, which is probably common knowledge for a lot of people, but Lord Ripon, um, back in the day, was at some big country house, somewhere very, very well established. And um, obviously there's pictures of him with his two or three loaders. And one day they weren't quick enough. And the lady of the house walked downstairs into the kitchen and found him practicing at four in the morning with his loaders. Do you reckon they do that in the office? Instead of like training weekend, it's just speed loading. Yeah, he probably, yeah no lunch break throughout the rest of the year when you're not shooting. Yeah. So not, not only is he working yeah. longer hours during the season, he's having to practice loading during the lunch yeah. breaks. Yeah, Team building is going on a sim day. He's still loading everyone else shooting. <laughs> um i don't think we've helped this guy at all (laughs) we've just made him feel worse yeah he now thinks he's even got more of a dead-end job than he ever had (laughs) we needed a little bit more info i think to really help him uh but yeah maybe there's a few hints and tips in there i wonder if he'll now hand his notice in because he realizes he he might be able to get paid more per day for being a full-time loader (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> than his nine to five salary well i like that one i like that a lot and i want to hear all about the very enjoyable day that you have in north yorkshire as a result of our advice yeah <laughs> I, I definitely please yeah like a, a whole sort of insta story day out of him picking you up in the car first thing in the morning the whole lot look forward to that tag us please mm. and why why elon george well i was trying to think of bad employers um, and it struck me that Elon's probably not a great one to to work for. Um, obviously, it's the wrong way around because it, I don't know. I don't know the name of any of Elon Musk's employees, so I just sort of fudged it a bit. Mm. <laughs> I had to think of a lot of names, and I've basically yeah. given up on this one. <laughs> you know, you could have put any name and then just said, "Oh, he works for Elon Musk," and we would yeah. have believed you. Well, maybe Elon works for Elon Musk. Yeah, I bet there is yeah. an Elon that works for Elon Musk. There you go. Yeah, yeah. well yeah. done, George. Yeah, good name. Uh, I, like, I like what you did there. <laughs> Right, an unpopular opinion, George. But basically, we have a little script for those listening to this, and there's a, it, it. George puts in there like the unpopular opinion, and then I just read it out. And he puts here: this one comes from someone we shall call Pangloss. There's no we in that. <laughs> that someone that George is calling Pangloss. Okay. <laughs> and well, right at the end of this, the first question is why Pangloss? Uh, anyway, Pangloss wants to tick us off. So here goes, telling off, and I'll read it out. Uh, Unpopular opinion. The group most effective at diminishing shooting is the shooting community itself. As a newcomer to shooting, having been introduced by my partner, who shot and picked up all her life, I'm a full convert to shooting, evidenced by an ever-growing gun cabinet and depleted wallet. Entering into shooting, I was, I thought, reasonably aware of some of the challenges facing shooting, and having enjoyed a childhood hunting, was all too aware of the impact that bands can have. However, never have I been introduced to a less upbeat, browbeaten and white flag waving community that seems to revel in misfortune, making the lives of Victor Meldrew and Eeyore seem positively upbeat. (laughs) It feels like there is somewhat of a badge of pride as to who has the most doom and gloom prediction or is desperate to predict a world without shooting. And that goes for you too, with Desert Island shooting. I cringe every time I hear, shooting is going to be banned, where would you go? Yet for a newcomer, shooting seems incredibly accessible and thriving. Getting a license wasn't overly strenuous, nor costly in the grand scheme of things. Acquiring a gun is painless and indeed enjoyable. Lessons are reasonably priced and fun with packed playgrounds. Cartridges get delivered to your door and you can book a day online with no more hassle than arranging an Airbnb. Certainly not a closed club of who you know. 
that through all of this, there are no end of mutterings about how the way things are going, this might be my last season, or I'll stop when I can shoot lead. Utter BS. Classic cars had to have some minor alterations when leaded fuel was phased out. But many still enjoy driving them. Suck it up, use bismuth, and drink less bubbly at Christmas. So now I've got that rant off my chest. Stop the doom and gloom. End of the world predictions. The sky isn't falling down and stop wishing it so. Put in our place. I say our place. I get his point. I get his point about desert island shooting. I, I do. I think you think this, George, don't you? About the, the way we reference Well, that. it's just that, uh, you know, imagine shooting is going to be banned tomorrow. Every now and again, I think that's just, it feels a little bit close to the bone. I feel like we can come up with a better way of, of, um, talking about why one might want to imagine it and just as a sort of thought exercise rather than having to create that sort of slightly doom-laden scenario. Right, let's change that for this one. We'll come up with it on the spot, or you will, <laughs> no pressure. Uh, and for this episode, I agree, let's do that. Let's not refer to it like we do, and let's change that one. Right, now back to his bigger point about the community as a whole. Matt, what do you think? Do you sense his tone? I, I think there's two ways you, you can obviously see this, that... We need to be proactive in preventing any sort of bans and to be seen to be self-regulating, don't we? Um, and I think that's maybe seen as a very negative point. Um, but then again, there are things that if we don't change, then, you know, it, there is going to be a ban. Um, I don't know where I'm going. What, what was the question again? If I've understood what you're saying, and I think I think you're right here, that you do need to keep on the front foot and keep adjusting things to um, to, to try and sort of push away those that, uh, that that disagree with what we do and try try and keep on the front foot. And, and if you don't, the risk is that, well, we'll just ban aspects of what you do little by little, you know, be a particular mm. ban of this or a ban of that. Um, I agree with that being the way of thinking or that that risk, I that's the way I perceive it too. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there who don't agree with that as a fundamental point. They sort of say, no, no, yeah. don't concede anything. Just fight the whole thing. Fight lead, fight this, yeah. fight that. I think that that's madness because then you're in the most fragile glass house ever in 15 years' yeah. time. That yeah, I agree. Yeah. You, you've, you've got the whole lot to lose rather than just like lead or a little bit of it. Which actually, yeah. when we've debated it, comes back to the point, you know, why we go out shooting. It's not all these things. It's just a bit of a laugh, isn't it? But uh, so his point, therefore, is, well, we're constantly critically analysing it feels maybe as a community and therefore it's all very negative. And I, I, I do agree yeah. with that. I think that's a huge problem we've got. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. So, yeah. So the, the first point is I've, I feel like we do need to self-regulate. But then again, I feel like there's so many good things that we still do that don't seem to get enough coverage and media attention necessarily um there obviously are some things like through the purdy awards and and various other initiatives like that which share the good messages um, and get people involved but i think one of the big things in shooting is is again there's a balance like there's always going to be people that want to shoot big bags there's always going to be people that want to shoot little days and get as much enjoyment out of that as big bags um and again it's not just big bags but um you know, even even different quarry species that cost thousands and thousands of pounds and here, there and everywhere. Um, but I feel like as, a, as an industry, yeah, we, we can be very negative in at times. But if, if we don't self-regulate, then I think there is going to be problems as well. So I think there's, there's both arguments are valid. Well, yeah, I think um, 
I tend to come down on uh, on Pangloss's side of the argument here, which is, I think, uh, we talked about it a bit with Charlie at the game fair, didn't we? Which is that the for the media, um, you know, this is being banned, Wild Justice are doing that, um, Natural England are saying this, the National Trust are doing that. That's news that sells magazines, that gets people watching YouTube videos, etc., but and and one of the things that um, certainly that I'm trying to do with the stuff that I write uh, and with this podcast and with everything that I try and do in and around shooting is to try and focus on the fun and try and remind everybody that the reason we do it is because it's enjoyable and it's a great day out. I don't really love the the negative side of things that that we see quite so much in terms of the coverage and all the social media comments and there's quite a lot of infighting which which does annoy me mm. a lot and i'd rather that people focused a lot more on the fun that they're having and the, the great time that they're having out with their friends and that's and the reasons that we do it yeah. and i i don't think anyone would disagree with that and i think the, the the problem we've got is the sort of modern world of media and especially social media that sh- that shit just doesn't fly does it it doesn't gain interest um people want the shocking the the banning the news the, the horrible newsworthy stuff which yeah. is always negative really let's be honest yeah um and and i think we're all guilty of this to an extent i mean we we know about this internally we've tried so hard to be careful about what we put in our newsletter because just the worst thing you can do is talk about the latest attack on this to try and mm. get someone oh and by the way do you fancy booking a day shooting it's like I don't know. It's it's just it's like talking about sewage before tasting your wine. You're like, no, no. Really. And and the other element of that, Chris, is um is that if you need somebody to sign a petition or to send a letter to their MP or whatever, and all they have experienced of shooting, all everything that they've read or watched or heard about about shooting for the few months leading up to it is negativity. There's, I think, they're so much less inclined to actually take that five minutes to fill out that form and send that and complete that petition or whatever. Whereas if they've seen loads of really exciting, entertaining stuff that reminds them of why they love it, then, you know, that passion is what's going to come out and get them to take that time out of their day to do the thing that we need them to do in order to preserve shooting going forward. So I think, I think that we would all do well as, as people who work in the shooting sector to try and focus at all times really on the positives uh, and, and what it is that we get out of it because that's what motivates people to try and defend it anyway yeah I think and I, I did say this to someone at Basque and the same thing happens at CA and everything else you know there the problem is that over the last five years there has been so much negative stuff just occur and like attacks and things like that you're constantly facing one thing to the next and everyone in the organizations gets caught up on the negative things and they just talk about that all the time because that's what they are there to do and they are focused yeah. on achieving that problem is they've got to remember that no one else wants to know about it other than the great work that you have done in a positive way rather and but but as we all know it comes down to a a battle of how many emails can you get off to this minister or that person there and it's i mean i don't know whether this is a tactic of the antis or not but it's quite a clever one if it is mm. just just destroy us with negativity <laughs> i really i really don't envy the people that have to deal with it though that no. that being said i mean anybody in our organizations collectively i mean 
rather using me doing doing all that hard work i mean what we do is lucky that we are in the aspirational side in particular as journalists um and photographers and videographers i think you know it's hard to it's hard to talk about bands and photograph bands and not get people you know excited about going on a day but yeah i really don't envy the people that have the other side of that and have to lobby mps and you know do all of that side of thing it'd be it'd be mm. tough tough ask and and not I, I imagine for from their point of view it's it's not very rewarding and they get a lot of people just shouting negatively at them and i mean from, from my point of view i think they need to carry on and you know they are doing a good job really you're absolutely right it must be horrendous like yeah. i mean we we get quite close to a lot of it because we're involved in various things and i sit on the committee and all sorts mm. of stuff and i do say to george you know i'll have a quiet word during the season sometimes and be like I just, I just don't know. Like, I just, I'm really lacking motivation at the moment for some of this stuff. And when I go out and then have a day with my mates, I come mm. back and I'm like, God, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And it, like, we, I don't know if you are the one having to like, if you sit at CA or Basque and stuff like this, like you've got to love shooting, but you've then got to have enough days in your diary to mind yourself while you're working so bloody hard yeah. against some of this crap. And like, maybe the thing we should do as a community is get them all out and shoot days a bit more often, yeah, get a bit yeah. more excited. They'd have yeah. more. Every every day must have one one member of the organisation. <laughs> on every shoot around the country. How can you continue to do that if you haven't had one of those yeah. sort of you know pre mates days booze ups and you kind of go, yeah, do you know what? I, I realise what we're fighting for now. Yeah, absolutely right. It's a fair, very fair comment. Oh, sorry, hold on. So we missed the big bit. Pangloss, go on, George. What's that well, about? Well, you obviously don't know your Voltaire. Um, in Condide, which is probably Voltaire's <sighs> most famous work, uh, there is a character named Dr. Pangloss <laughs> who uh, believes that everything is for the best in the best of all possible worlds. So he's a, he's, he's a sort of caricature of somebody with a very uh, positive, sunny outlook on life. And he believes that whatever happens, it all happens for the best. Well, that's brilliant, George. Thank you. Go and read Condide. <laughs> and I'm it's glad great. that you're uh, out. The three of us, you're keeping up on your Voltaire. <laughs> Just like the, the the organizational members, keep doing the hard work in graph, George. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Well done, George. May um, I suggest um, some other reading, George? Yeah, please do. <laughs> the Code of Good Shooting Practice. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and if you're not already, George, you must be reading that to your children. Right yeah, now. bedtime story every night. I do voices and everything. <laughs> not a little bedtime quiz. How many yards from a highway are, is it safe to shoot? <laughs> no, you didn't get it right. That's another hour of reading. <laughs> That, that is probably one way to make sure your children never take part in the sport, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine them on their first day with their mates? Yeah. They'd never oh, fire mate. a shot because of, they're trying to be too safe. So are we calling that a, an unpopular opinion or a popular opinion? I think I would say it's a common opinion. I don't know whether it's popular or unpopular, but I think a lot of people are talking about that in these in the industry at the minute it's an interesting one common versus popular ah well it's very nuanced well i'll call it well just delete that (laughs) (laughs) popular opinion george good okay i i think i think that's popular i think the vast majority it's just that i don't know it gets the better of all of us at times 
I think what I need to do though is you know when you know when you turn up and people are like how are you or like you know how how's work at the moment people say to me I just just completely ignore the question and just talk about something else entirely <laughs> and it's impossible for any of this stuff to come up I think that's what I actually have to do we should all do that yeah how, how, what's going on with this I don't don't know what you're talking about actually or just say yes <laughs> like when you get a, what a, like a question where you need to provide an answer just say yes that always works yes yes how's work yes yeah it exists (laughs) moving on (laughs) good george okay well um in the so i said at the beginning we were just going to answer some questions and, and answer some some emails that we've had and this one came in a few weeks ago from somebody called john um and uh you know when we talk on this podcast we often forget that we're not necessarily talking to people who've been shooting for decades. Oftentimes it is people who are quite new to it, whether it's new to shooting in the UK or um, or just shooting in general. Um, and so John has uh, said, uh, you often discuss on the podcast the term receive a shoot invitation. What does this mean? An invitation to shoot as a guest, i.e. no cost, or as a reciprocal agreement, or an invitation to pay? Thank you. And I think... The answer here is yes. <laughs> it kind of means all of them. It's such a very good question. Mm. It is a very good question. In the references that you and I use, George, as lucky buggers that we are, we often mean no cost or potentially reciprocal agreement. Well, yeah. So the reciprocal bit is only ever unwritten, isn't it? Yes, very much you so. Never, I don't feel like I've ever been invited shooting with the expectation of a return invitation but it's often something that you would like to do. Yeah, as my mates who are listening to this right now would be like, yeah, absolutely. So he's obviously forgotten the reciprocal part of this agreement. <laughs> I mean, if, if if they're expecting payment, or rather, I suppose I suppose they need to trust who they're, who they're getting their invitation from. Because if you don't have trust, you'll never know whether you're going to expect a bill. Um, and I'd probably get that clarified pretty early on. That would be pretty shocking, wouldn't it? That, that, that would be... That's got to have happened oh, a lot, sure, but yeah. yes, of course. Would you like to? Would you like to come on this day? Oh, that'd be so kind yeah. of you. And then a bloody invoice for two grand. I, I have heard of that a fair bit, and I mean, you, you know, you all again. You always have to trust who who's given you that invitation or something. I, do you know? I actually did have one of these not so long ago, and I asked an I asked a sort of nuanced question back, avoiding the topic of payment but to try and drag out that aspect. And it was a payment one. Yeah, of course. Well, it's only X ahead. Yeah. I thought, I thought only. You Would know, you like is, to join me? Yeah, exactly. Is your Brilliant. mortgage like going up in March and have you just had another child? So <laughs> let's just find only. Mm. But I think it's down to the to the, um, to the person issuing the invitation to kind of make it clear, you know, would you like to come as my guest? Or I'm putting a team together for such and such a shoot on this day. The costs are X per gun. This is how many, you know, that kind of thing. I Like being cryptic about it, I don't think helps anyone. So this person, I don't know where John is from. and I don't know whether this is sort of a, a, a someone who's British and new or maybe American and new to shooting the UK or whatever it may be. But there's a lot of very generous people knocking around the shooting world who dish out invites because they enjoy having people who enjoy what they enjoy on their day. And um, 
when you receive one of those invites, the sort of etiquette in the shooting world is just do all you can to make sure that day is as fun as it can be, because that's why that person has invited you. Uh, and so there's <laughs> thank you to all those people out there. You know who you are. Yeah. Uh, so can you introduce me to some of them? Yeah. yeah, likewise, Chris. You must have a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also, you know, it, it, because shooting can be a very costly experience, there can because of and because of that sort of unwritten, you know, try and try and reciprocate thing. A lot of people who issue those invitations, they don't do so with expectation. And if you don't have deep enough pockets to be able to yeah. pay that back in kind then you find another way yep. that you can't, you know, you take that for dinner or, you know, make sure you turn up with a really nice bottle of something on the day and that sort of thing. You know, it's, it's not, it's not a quid pro quo, but you definitely need to try and if you want to get asked again, which is of course what it's all about, really, you need to yeah. make sure that, that you're yeah. doing what you can. It's a really interesting one that isn't it? Cause when you do dish out an invite, you do it because that person because you want that person there, not because, oh, they've got such a lovely shoot. I'd love for them to invite me back. Because if that's the way, then that's going to have come across elsewhere. And it, it, that's not going to be a lasting relationship, that one, is it? Conversely, that is why I think grouse moor owners tend to find themselves getting invited around the place quite a lot. Well, this is the next point, which is, like, and I see, I can imagine this, it's like this with Hampshire farmers as well, George. You know, <laughs> I'll invite him, I'll invite him. Just, just occasional invites. Because, you know, if you've got a shoot, you probably do dish out quite a lot of invites. Yeah. And I imagine it does get to the point where you're like, he'll invite me back. That's one's worth it. And it's almost a throwaway invite. Not like I'm using my hard-earned cash for today and I'm going to invite my mate X and so on. You know, I think that's very different. I guess one way to gauge that as well is if you're the person invited as a guest and you're on a day and nobody knows each other, you're probably going to know they're expecting something back. <laughs> you know, if there's no conversation, there's no between anyone and they're all meeting each other, it's, it's likely you either have to find a very nice bottle or something or um, buy a day to invite them back on, definitely. Yeah, very good. I think we have covered that one at least well enough. Very good of John to send that in. I appreciate that question. It's good to be kept on your toes because we do get carried away with things we say. In a recent episode, uh, we were asked for suggestions as how to make a shoot day stand out uh, and really stick in the memory. Kind of like what we were just talking about, actually. Um, I seem to recall that we made some reasonably good suggestions, um, but Joe has been in touch to suggest another excellent idea. This has come in suggestion, and he says, I thought I'd tell you about what we do at home in our small farm shoot to keep it a bit more interesting. We like to give peg number five on each drive. The family over and under yield its 410. <laughs> like Makes that. for a bit of a change for those arrogant shots who've always used the 12 ball. Love the poll. Keep them coming. Best wishes, Joe. Joe, brilliant. Love it. This is the stuff that we like. That's such a good idea. I really like that one. Yeah. I think you should also make it single barrel non-ejector. But... <laughs> 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 Can you imagine? Yeah, uh, enjoy. It's basically a fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you didn't shoot a right and left with it. <laughs> yeah. This actually, so I went on a day the other day, uh, and I'll do this as quickly as I can, but it's really cool. At the start of the day, uh, it was an invite day. So the chap bought the day, invited all his mates, uh, and he organized a bit of a peg draw to basically try and play around with his mates, have a bit of banter. He put 
there were six tries in the day and he put six cards in, three kings and three numbered cards in a in a hand, right? If you pulled a king, there were three kings and it, there were three different things that happened if you pulled a king. And the person who pulled would be the peg four in each drive. First king, uh, choose someone to load for you on that drive. And it could be in one of the other guns. It had to be one of the other guns. So they would stop shooting and they would come and load for you in that drive. That was one of the kings, right? Uh, second king, choose someone to go beating for that drive. <laughs> so one of the other guns just suddenly had to go beating. The third king, you become peg five for the rest of the day. On this day, the, the first peg four of the day pulled that card and he was peg five all day. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, the three numbered cards that he had in the pack were, if you own a side-by-side and you didn't bring it, stand down for the drive. If you own a dog and you didn't bring it, stand down for the drive. And if you own a tie and you're not wearing it, stand down for the drive. So it became seriously funny. At the start of each drive, whoever was picked for, they'd pull the card. Everyone would sit around very nervously, assuming that they wouldn't be shooting and get picked on or if the person pulled that laughing a lot at them. I thought it was a great addition to a day if you've organised one. So if you can remember all that, rewind on the pod and listen to it again. Chuck it in. I'd love to hear how it goes and the other ideas that people come up with. That's a very cool one. I feel like it takes quite a lot of admin. Yeah. But it can't be a let day if you're sending someone beating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It, so, George, it wasn't much admin at all. Like, it, it just rolled at the start of each drive. Everyone was waiting for yeah. it. The person before would organize it, and they decided what they were going to be. That's the key. Uh, just then, just do the thing, do the draw, like, know what's going to... Everyone's waiting for it, because everyone's so panicked. If you're the one sent beating, are you not making sure that all the birds piss out the side of the drive is revenge? <laughs> <laughs> so... The, the guy that got sent beating on the day I was on took it very well. He, he was fortunate enough to shoot quite a lot. And actually, I think the person who drew the card knew that. They were like, he gets way too much shooting. Off you go, mate. Go beating. <laughs> Did you say you, you could give them the same card again? No, so that then gets taken out. The oh, right, okay. Uh, I was going to yeah. say, if you just kept stitching the same guy up, that'd be quite <laughs> yeah. funny. Yeah. Now, so the guy, the guy who got peg five, on the first drive, got it all day. That's just great. just stayed. It'd be the first and last time he stands on peg five all day. I have seen it a few times on shoots where the youngsters have been given peg five all day, which is actually quite a nice thing to do. That's um, cool. On, on yeah. a shoot last year in particular, I, I just kept photographing the thing. I was like, he's in the middle of the drive the whole time. And I realised <laughs> that, oh, he's, he's been given it. But yeah, yeah that was or, quite cool. Or he's HRH Lord, whatever. Da, da, da. Yeah, that was probably the, it as well. The Duke yeah. of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's really not very young. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, right, so moving on then. Um, as we said at the top, uh, it is the start of a new shooting season. And I think that means that there's probably going to be quite a lot of people taking their first steps into game shooting over the coming weeks and months. Um, and we've had a couple of questions in over the last few weeks from people who are in that situation. And hopefully our answers will be Uh, applicable to other people in similar situations. Um, Chris, do you want to read the first one out and then I'll follow up with the second one? Yeah, um, he says, good evening, chaps. First, let me start by saying I'm an avid listener of the pod and as we'll go on to explain, although I'm far from well-versed in the world of game shooting, your show has gripped me from my imagination and the stories that you tell always leave me wanting one day to have my own to share. And herein lies my quandary. On many occasions, you and your guests recount endearing tales from childhood of how loved ones 
from within the sporting community slowly drip-fed you as youngsters experiences and opportunities that not only created a deep-seated love of shooting and field sports, but step-by-step enabled you to develop a proper and full understanding of the countryside, your role within it, and how shoots and shooting works. I'm 30, not from a sporting family, and have no ties to any individuals that could supply me with this kind of shooting squireship situation. I'm willing to learn and not afraid to ask or to be a newbie. However, being an adult and looking for this sort of patronage can leave me feeling a little awkward and I suppose silly. Plus, I really just don't know where to start. I would love to go and beat and be happy to help on a syndicate or any type of shoot with various tasks. Really anything to get my eye in and immerse myself in the shooting community. I've been to the clay ground multiple times for lessons. I do not have my own gun yet, excluding a 2-2 air rifle. So I'm hoping for a plan of action, how I can begin my journey into becoming part of the community and not to appear to be an overgrown and overexcited child that never got shown the ropes or so the wrong thing and end up looking a complete muppet. I'll read the next one out and then we'll do both of them at the same time. So this one's a little bit shorter. It says, gentlemen, I'm a big fan of the podcast, having recently found a love of country sports shooting, especially over the past two years. Your podcast has provided me with chatter and thoughts that I've been craving. On to my dilemma. I'm new, and unlike my day-to-day personality, I'm uh, lacking serious confidence. How do I go about joining my first shoot? There's a a few good syndicate shoots near me that I found via people who I know that I'd like to get involved in, even for beating and picking up initially. The problem is none of them are even close to my age. They're all 55 plus. Do I keep looking or try and get involved in the old boys club? And if so, how do I go about getting involved? That last one. One of the things I love about shooting is age is not a thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, I Years ago, I, people used to sort of laugh at me because a lot of my mates... Uh, so this guy said he's 32 and, he, and his mates are 55 plus. That was me. <laughs> um, because shooting just, just destroys those boundaries. And like, what is it you like? Well, I, I like going out for day shooting. I like a really good drink afterwards, nice glass of wine. And then I like, you know, going to the pub or whatever. And, and, and you're like how could I not be friends with that person? Like if that's what they like, and that's yeah. the great thing about shooting. So I think the the age thing has to disappear right from the start from your mindset. And I can understand if you're new to shooting, there's probably not many other things in life where that is the case. What do you reckon to that point? Oh, I think that's a very good point. And like I said earlier, you might find a team that will have you in the middle of the drive for the season or something. <laughs> like their mascot. But the, young, the younger, the better. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I think I think a lot of people are in a similar situation. Like I've just moved to Leicestershire. And, you know, I, I don't know many shoots around here. I don't know where, like, to to meet people. This is this is the same for for both sides, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to know many people in many counties, but in my own county where I live now, it's starting afresh, understandably. And, and the nearest one to me that I would go to regularly, the beating or whatever, um, is about an hour and 20 minutes away. So it's not ideal on a Saturday morning after a full week of traveling here, there and everywhere. But I suppose that's where the beauty of, of social media comes in. And, and like we were saying to one of the previous points from Elon or whoever it was, um, that, you know, it's all doom and gloom. It wasn't Elon, it was the other one. Pangloss. Pangloss. Um, you know, how it's all doom and gloom. You know, we're only talking about the banning of shooting and, and what next that we need to regulate and stuff. But actually, I think by engaging with the right audiences and the right groups and, and influencers and stuff, I think it's probably a really easy thing to 
generate a little community that will put you in touch with people. Because at the end of the day, I, I found that anybody that's involved in shooting wants more people to be involved in it. So yeah. the fact that you're keen and, and new to it, people are going to be really encouraging. Yeah, I, I remember. I can remember so many days here at home and other days I've been on where there's been, you know, somebody's, you know, 14, 15 year old son or something like that has been uh, yeah. in the line having their first go. And the cheer that goes up when that kid shoots their first bird um, mm. uh, or well, actually, they don't have to be a kid. You know, it could be someone's other half who's being introduced to it for the first time or whatever. Um, you know, people just want people to get involved in shooting and they're generally, I mean, there's always going to be a few bellends who want to gatekeep. But for the most part, 99.9% of people who you meet out shooting are going to be thrilled that you're even remotely interested. Um, and they'll do everything they can to, mm. to, to help you. Um, go on, Chris. So I, I think I was just going to say, like, but reading both of these out, if if I was running the local syndicate and someone was writing in that way, about their passion, mm. I'd be like, God, come on, message me, message me. Like, there's yeah. things I can get you involved in. We'd love to have you as a part of the shoot because it's the passion that drives it. If you don't have the passion, then it's game over, right? So mm. I think the first thing to do, ask about locally, go to the pub, find out, do the syndicate come in here type thing? Who do I need to talk to? Like, that would be a good place to start. Um, obviously, Guns on Pegs can help a little bit. It is for the buying or shooting and obviously there are syndicate places on there so like that's slightly trickier if you're not wanting to join the syndicate as a paying gun first off if you just want to sort of dip your toe in start beating whatever it might be help out on the shoot they would love to hear from you i can assure you of that yeah i mean i'd imagine most syndicates up and down the country are crying out for beaters a lot of the time um <clears throat> so oh, yeah. you know if you if you can find mm. that syndicate and you know that there's nearly always an ad on the guns on pegs uh, classifies that says we're looking for beaters and if you put an if you want to put an ad up offering your services you're pretty certain to get um uh you're pretty certain to get uh uptake as well i'd suggest um and you know to the to the first correspondent as well who was looking for mentorship you know again joining that syndicate as a beater you know they will be a number of very experienced people many of them will be guns themselves on other shoots there'll be a keeper or a part-time keeper who you can who can who maybe can get you you can get to take under their wing um you know start building those relationships be enthusiastic be keen volunteer for work days and stuff and before long you'll find that that people are pretty thrilled to have you around i'd say you're absolutely right i i'm thinking back to various syndicates and stuff i've been involved with over the years um there will be someone that comes out of the woodwork that's just particularly kind to you or or you know just always intrigued or finding out how you're getting on. That person will become that sort of figure that this this person's alluding to that will help them put them in touch with other things and, and also let them know probably, yeah, don't do that by the way, or look out for this or whatever. You know, I think shooting community is pretty good at that sort of thing. And I don't think anybody expects you to know all the answers. Even... Yeah, like well up in in anything, even even keepers, whatever. Nobody expects to know all the answers straight away, and mistakes are even made on grouse moors in terms of beaters. And you know, there's always a lot of inexperienced people out um, beating or whatever. Mm. So. Just ask questions, and yeah. the bigger the day, the more the guns love talking about themselves. So just keep asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and the fact that these guys have have asked these questions of us shows that they're thinking in the right sort of a way. 
yeah, that's what I mean. Like reading it out, you're like, yeah, this is brilliant. I mean, there's people out here who want to get into shooting. That like, this is amazing. Like with that. Uh, so yeah, classified social media pub. Talking to people, as many things you, as you can do. Yeah, and and if you are heading out, if you are heading out for your first day's beating or your first day on the peg this season, um, welcome. And uh, I hope you enjoy it because um, it's a tag us hashtag guns on pegs on social media. I love those yeah. smiles when people those first days and they get a group shot or whatever. That's just the most infectious thing going, isn't it? Yeah. Um. So Matt, uh, George is about to come up with <laughs> Desert Island shootings narrative. I just saw yeah. your face. <laughs> I realized that you were about to go into the intro, and uh, then the sudden look of. <laughs> <laughs> And I just pivoted really quickly to you, George. <laughs> so this is one last day's shooting because, George? Uh, so because um, it's a fun exercise. It's enjoyable to play these, uh, <laughs> to do these uh, thought experiments. Um, and of course, um, you know, uh, everything comes to an end sooner or later. And let's imagine that you've been given some horrible diagnosis and you've just got some bucket list stuff to oh, that's, tick that's off. Brilliant. That's better, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, That's lovely. Thanks, you George. Right, we were just all thinking it and no one wanted to say it. Thanks. <laughs> right, hold on. No, no, we've got to have another go at this, because that <laughs> cannot... just terrific. <laughs> Let's... <Yeah. laughs> can, can we give a right. reply to the guy who questioned that in the first place? <laughs> no, Stop no. being so literal. Full stop. <laughs> yeah. Right, that's not what's going to happen. They should be on a desert island. What? What is desert island discs? You've landed on a desert island, and that is you. You choose <laughs> to meet that. Right. Okay. So let's just suppose that you're in a plane that had the best crash landing ever, and also in that plane were like sixteen well-equipped beaters, <laughs> and this island could go on for as long as you liked, <laughs> uh, and it had the ability to bring your mates onto it and present whatever quarry you wanted. In uh, whichever weather, we can also bring weather to this island. So imagine great. that happened, Matt. You with okay? Me? That's good. Yeah, yeah, good. I okay. think that goes in quite well. well would also, you do? <laughs> I'd like to say that I, I'd like to think that at least some mates would have been on the plane, and I'm not just on my own. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to be teleported. They could have just been with me. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. some of they them were the with you onto the island, yeah. but not all of them on this plane with you and these beaters and all of the rest of the shoot paraphernalia that happened to be yeah. on board this random flight. Go. Okay, we we covered this. Yeah, you've done yeah. a much better job Brilliant. of it than I did. Yeah. <laughs> Terminal illness. Yeah, right, what are you doing, Matt? <laughs> right, so um, I, I had a little think about this, and I, I think I'm going to draw on a few of my favourite memories that maybe I was photographing and didn't get to pull the trigger, or maybe I did and would like to do it again. So I think no, number one is it's not like a driven start, but it will get into that. So I would... I would pick a 6 a.m. walk across Lindisfarne in the in the mud uh, um, and go and see some duck. Probably not shoot anything, but <laughs> uh, and geese and everything like that. And just and and you know you're walking out with just starlight as as a guide to begin with. And you know it's, if you're having the weather, let's have a really windy windy day. Um, not too rough, otherwise you won't really see the stars if it's too cloudy. So, um, and like I say, I'm not that bothered if I shoot anything or not. Um, and then I'd like I'd like the sunrise to just be 
spectacular as it was the last time I was there. Um, you know, really cold, just epic, really open. So that's my morning. And then, you know, you get into about eight o'clock by the time you're back. So a bit of breakfast. And then I reckon... I reckon that's the ideal time to then go and have a bit of a fish for salmon. <laughs> again, not quite driven, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, again, it's not really about whether you catch anything or not, but it'd be good to have at least a, a good tug um, from, from a great salmon. Um, that'd be nice. Wherever, not that bothered anywhere. Um, and then I think I'd, I'd then move on to some sort of mixed pheasant and partridge you know some deep valley um you know just just bit of like snap shooting spot shooting whatever you like to call it um you know really thick and fast but not again not too many and then 11s is you know a few good bevies like the the autumn bounty drinks you know whatever george has made from this year that's fine (laughs) Um, and then i'd probably have two drives and then i definitely want a walked up grouse um sort of afternoon um you know a couple couple of birds a couple of birds are out but see plenty um and then finish off with um a a traditional gray partridge drive which i was very lucky to witness on friday um which was just amazing you were Um, at george bonsonby's i was oh Oh my god so i got a message from tarquin going we've just shot the grays (laughs) yeah yeah it was incredible really yeah Yeah. like just the best day i mean it it wasn't the biggest bag or anything like that which which as we know as as many of the listeners will agree it's not not nearly what it's about but i mean you had 60 people that were there from all over the country as beaters like estates in their own tweeds in like these little communities but the birds it was like so i was only photographing and uh, it was the most unpredictable thing you could ever imagine it was so fast, so thick, and just no idea where they were coming. And you're standing like 20 meters off a hedge, and it's or 25 meters, and it's just amazing. Um, and that that's what would finish my day. Um, and you know, obviously, people with me would be friends, father, um, potential father-in-law, um, <laughs> which is another story for for many uh, other people but um is, it, is, is that an invite you'd be expecting back or is this <laughs> yes. just sort of a <laughs> yes and i want a full driven day on grass yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. not a not an unwritten now you'll let me marry your daughter invite <laughs> yeah 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 it's nothing to do with that no. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that that i think would be a pretty spectacular desert island um experience yeah yeah, yeah. i mean You've you've got everything in there. I mean, yeah. everything in sort of middling yeah. middle. I, I also, England. yeah, I also realised I've written. Well, I, I had a little note, but it's Northumberland, isn't it? The whole lot could yeah. be done. That yeah. was going to be my question. Where could you do this? It is. Literally... It's all in Northumberland. Yeah, you could do. Well, Lindisfarne's Northumberland. You could. But do there are others arches, like yeah. Featherstone or anywhere like that, which is a great shoot, um, which I've been lucky to visit already this year. Um, you know, Grays is obviously at Annick or somewhere. I mean, it's yeah, that, that, just move that, up there. I was think I was thinking that it's quite it's quite an out there. I mean, it's it's not it's it's, it's an adventurous desert island shooting. It wasn't like oh, I'll go on my local syndicate with my you know with my dad. It hmm. was quite an adventurous one. But you're right, the whole lot in one county. People in Northumberland yeah. don't realise how lucky they are. Yeah, I mean, you got South Tyne or 
the tyne anywhere. I mean, you've got everything. Yeah. Grouse. Perfect. I mean, having said all of that, organising that in one day takes to quite something. No, I, I don't get involved in that. That's your job, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> or George. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that would be some sort of McNabb, wouldn't it? Or, or I to mean, rival. It, that would be ma- awesome. It make a... Make a McNab yeah. look fairly useless, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nice. if anyone wants to arrange that, more than happily come and either a photograph or b shoot. It'd be great. Who, who's got Wild English in Northumberland? I think they've got some Anik. Well, I know they have, but yeah, there the you go. Actually, yeah. to be honest, does 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 the Duke of Northumberland need to venture off his estate to even do your desert island shooting? Mm, I don't think he so. doesn't own. He doesn't own <laughs> I suppose farm, the 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 farm trip maybe doesn't own that, but no. But he's got a bit yeah. of something out there, surely. Anyway, yeah, must have somewhere. Nice. Uh, we can dream. Well, beautiful one. Really like that one, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, really good. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Yeah, thank you very much for having yeah. me. Good to debate with you. Enjoyed yeah, that. It's been great, Matt. Thank you ever so much. Right, as per usual, there is one final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters by sending us your shooting dilemmas for us to resolve or by sending us your unpopular opinions or sharing your forgotten drives or just writing in with, um, you know, something like you've heard today and we might read it out in a future episode. Just drop us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com and if we read it out in the next episode or any future episode, we will send you some garters. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. But until then, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. I want to know when you're going to start doing the Guns on Pegs um, order of the garter beaters, though, or bucket hats. And wife beaters and bucket hats. No, so do you know what? There is another level of order of the garters coming. There's another level coming and it's, it's garish. Nice. Stylish is what Chris is trying to say. Stylish. Is it like a baggy? <laughs> like a Guns on Pegs baggy? <laughs> that would be great. You wait and see. Um, yeah. But I think I do think a Guns on Pegs podcast, wife beaters and bucket hats, sim day, that'd be the, <laughs> oh, yes. that'd be the thing. <laughs> you know, we were yeah. debating about like shooting having its problems. <laughs> that would not be one of them. <laughs> yeah, that would be a bonus. It's more inclusive. Yeah. Is a bucket hat good enough to stop falling shot? Yeah. I suppose it if is, you turn actually. the brim up, you catch the shot. Yeah, <laughs> and then you, re- you can reload your own, <laughs> reload your own cartridge from a bucket hat. Yeah. <laughs> Super. George, on demand merch. Uh, you could you can do from that company. What's it called? Swag.com. We'll set that up, <laughs> and then. Uh, and then people who want to join you on your uh, on your on your sim day with wife beaters and bucket hats, I'll be one. I'll join you. <laughs> I mean, I hate a wife beater, but I'll do it. <laughs> Sod it. It's for fun, isn't it? <laughs>